0: Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, this is Heart of the Matter. I am your host, Sean McCraney. Listen, if you want to watch the show or have your friends watch the show, a streaming video, call them, tell them to go to www.bornagainmormon.com and go to the TV show, click on the TV show, and then it will say Watch Show Live. Just click on that, give it a few seconds, maybe a minute to <clears throat> download, and you'll be ready to go. All I can say is, Wow last week wednesday night we met at christ evangelical church in Orem, and it was fantastic we had three to four hundred people there uh, we had christians we had lds we had graduate students from trinity college byu graduate students we even had our own heckler and it was a fantastic event uh, the the lord was there i'm grateful for all those who attended grateful for pastor scott mckinney opening his church up and uh, let me tell you something, if you want a, a good Bible-teaching church down there in the Happy Valley near BYU, um, check out Christ Evangelical Church in Orem with Pastor Scott McKinney. His staff is spirit-led and Christ-centered, and they teach the Bible, and um, good place. I highly recommend them. Also, if you're in the Salt Lake area, don't want to drive down to, uh, to that church It's too far, check out Sandy Ridge. Uh, community church with Pastor Travis Mitchell, another loving, kind pastor who would uh, you'd do well to meet if you're searching for a place to learn the word. Okay, how about some shout-outs? I got a lot of them, and I'm going to be quick. An appreciative shout-out to my friends over at Beehive Legal in Salt Lake City, Scott, Brennan, Dave, Chico, and Lucy. In my opinion, it's one of the best ways to spend breakfast in Salt Lake City. To uh, my friends Lucy and Corey, a shout out to some tremendous artisans in the state, Mark Long and Leon Burroughs. To a great supporter, Ann C., a shout out to Scott Bailey, car guy extraordinaire, and an even better Christian. So happy you came to know the Lord, Scott. To Wayne Polika, an at-home Christian. To Jeannie Ward and all her friends. What a group they represent. To Russ Roberts, to Bruce and Suzanne, true disciples who are blessed with an ability to lead and teach in love. Katie Thomas in Kanab, Utah. To John the Stonecutter, my brother in Christ, I love you. Florine and Merlin, I know you're watching. Shout out to you up there in Park City. To Gunsmoke's Triple A, a true and great LDS friend. To Daphne and her husband, who have seekers' hearts. To Tom K, thanks my friend. To Nancy, our sister in Oklahoma, who turns 40 this week. Happy birthday, young lady. Older lady, grandma, just kidding you. just kidding you. And uh, Jeff Hedger and the kids. To Dale and Jerry, internet warriors who have a great passion for Jesus. To Cassidy, Delaney, Mallory and Mary, my wife at home. To all the inmates who watch Heart of the Matter from behind bars, uh, our hearts go out to you and hope we can help. To Nancy Bemis, good suggestions on the show. To Russell and Callie, great Christian supporters, thank you. To BYU Philosophy Boys, Keep searching for the Lord. Turn it all over to him, Nate. To uh, a good friend and supporter, Merle, who gave me a great book that I'm learning so much from. From Shirley, uh, for Shirley and her loss, uh, recently of her husband, tragic loss. We're so sorry our hearts go out to you. To Michael and Kurt, we miss you tonight. Get back here. And to all the rest of you I've neglected to mention, uh, Godspeed, we appreciate you, your prayers, your friendship, and support. Speaking of support, we have a prayer board on our site, www.bornagainmormon.com. Just look at the thing, it. thing that says prayer. You go to that, you click on it, and if you need prayer, just type your name in, what you need it for, and people all around who go to the site will be able to pray for you. If you don't think you need prayer, then maybe uh, uh, go put someone else's name on. But prayer is so important to our ministry. That's what we ask you for by way, by way of support, so we hope you'll give it. And speaking of prayer, let's have our own. Dear Lord, we ask you to be with us tonight. We thank you for this opportunity be with the listeners and the viewers and uh, all of our staff. Help me to say what you want me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to veer off our pass, path tonight and take a bit of a respite. I'm relaxing. I would throw my arms back now if I could because we're just going to kick back and... Um, And see, a lot of things pile up in a ministry. And as we've gone along, we've had a lot of emails, a lot of calls, a lot of things that are important to the health of a ministry. And I think it's important to take a break every now and then and address those issues as they constantly come up. So before we open up the phone lines, let me address some of these questions, read a few emails. I want to tell you about the phone lines tonight. We have a unique show in this way as well. Because we're asking that only Latter-day Saints, only Mormons... Call the show. This is a one-time thing, but uh, I have gotten on our website many uh, complaints that we're blocking the Latter-day Saints from being able to speak their mind, or we're not giving them a fair share, or we're editing them out, or we're listening, our operators are cutting them off, and it's just not true. Now, I'm prepared if we don't have any response to uh, read emails through and through, and it might be the first show that we don't have callers, uh, but this is for Latter-day Saints. So if you're Christian or if you're something else, please don't call tonight. We can pick up where we left off next week as we go into the Book of Mormon. Okay, first question I'm getting a lot of, why do you attack the church? Jesus never attacked a church. I get it all the time. I just got a call. Uh, Jesus would never do that. Just before the show started. We have to put this into perspective and uh, try to remember this as you think that I'm insulting you. First thing is Mormonism attacked first. You threw down the gauntlet first. Remember the first vision. Remember what Joseph Smith said that God said to him. He said that all the churches are an abomination. That all the pastors they are corrupt. That is a throwdown. Okay? The second thing is is Mormonism continues today to attack Christianity, all right? The missionaries go door to door, they knock on the door, they sit, give a message, can we come in, they ingratiate themselves, and before long they're telling them that they are the only true church on the face of the earth. So that just says the rest of them are false. You understand that? So Mormonism threw down first on the body of Christ and continues to. Finally, um, Mormonism holds people captive, all right? And it also, and this is going to sound funny to some of you LDS, but it doesn't sound funny to me. Mormonism destroys lives. Alright? I mean the church is kind of like, I've used this example before, it's like a giant bully. It can go around and it can say things and it can do things, but if you do it back, it cries persecution, it cries anti Mormon, it cries bashing, it cries all these things. So you can go around and say you're the only true church, you can go around and say your prophet said that no other church was true, they were an abomination, they were corrupt. But if we come back and show how you are at fault, we are anti Mormon. So, you know, kind of grow up on this. It's, it's ridiculous. Let me explain about this how it destroys lives. If you've watched the show, at the end of the show there's a song that Johnny Cash sings and it's called Rusty Cage. And he sings, I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break this chains, this rusty cage. He's gonna break out. And I want to tell you why I say it destroys lives. Not all lives. You know, you know, some lives, earthly lives, it makes for the better. There's a lot of things that make earthly lives better. The, you know, the army makes some earthly lives better. Okay, but I'm gonna explain how it destroys lives. First of all, it teaches children and teens and the unsuspecting over and over and over again that it's the only true church. They sing, the golden plates are hidden deep in the mountainside until God found one faithful in whom he could confine. The children sing the golden plate story over and over again, all right? They sing, follow the prophet, follow the prophet, follow the prophet. Don't go astray. They sing praise to the man who communed with Jehovah. Jesus anointed that prophet and seer. Blessed to open this last dispensation. Saints shall extol him and nations revere. You grow up listening to this stuff day in, day out, week in, week out, reading it all as though it were fact. You have some problems if you decide to leave it. All right? You either must conform to these doctrines and beliefs, or you are cast out. When and if you are cast out, you have nowhere to go. Nowhere. Because no other church could be true. You've been taught all this, so you're taught to believe all of it is true, and if they are the only true church that you've heard over and over and over again, where do you go when it doesn't fit you anymore? So what it's done is it's mind warped people. It's mind raped. 600,000 people in this state. That's what it's done. You say it's so good, look at its fruits. What about for the people who don't agree with it? But they've been inculcated by your doctrines over and over and over again. We meet them all the time. I talk to them all the time. The fallout is insane. This is not of God. If you commit what LDS calls sin, you are cast out. If not officially, then socially. If you disagree with them, you are cast out. Or you're silenced. If you speak of truths or reveal them, you are cast out as Grant Palmer was when he wrote Insider's View of Mormon uh, Origins. He didn't provide anything that was false, but he was disfellowship for speaking the truth of the church. If you don't fix with your endless, uh, fit in with their endless cultural expectations, you're cast out. You might say, well, that's their right as a group. They are a church. You belong to it. That's their right to cast you out if they want. They have saturated people with rhetorical claims that there is no other way to heaven. They say Christian is an abomination. They say you must do and agree with all things Mormon in order to live with God the Father again. And then they reject you if you are not like them, if you don't play the game, and if you don't want to buy into it. The result is horrible spiritual carnage. Horrible spiritual carnage. Again, I met with a guy today who does not even believe in God, who is active in the LDS church because the hold is so strong on him. It breaks my heart. I attack Mormonism because I hate what it does to those who can't follow along. And let me say this. I want to I mention this our ministry has always been to the lost and disaffected. It is not to the stalwart Mormons. I don't care if you watch the show or not. If you don't ever intend on changing, don't listen to me at all. This is for your kids out there who couldn't cope and have left the church and are trying to find Jesus or some truth somewhere out there. That's another reason we do it. Alright, next question I always get. You, Sean McCraney, have just gone from one faulty belief system to another. Christianity get off your crutches and start walking on your own. I get a lot of these by people who don't believe in God at all, M- many of them who used to be Mormon are now atheist and they say all you're doing is switching from having believed as a Mormon to believing in another false system which is called Christianity. Last week I met with three guys um, and we had a meal together. These guys were all LDS, they all served full-time missions, They're all very accomplished, intelligent men. Two of them married with families. They've all resigned themselves to the intellectual facts that Mormonism is a farce. Yet at the same time they each had, for lack of a better word, a disdain for all things religious. Two of the three especially did. Each of them in their own respective way had, like I said earlier, been raped by the religion intellectually and emotionally. And they're now living with the unconscionable memories of the amount of time that they gave on their missions, the amount of trust they gave to the church, and the amount of wasted dedication. Worst of all, there is little room in them, at least at this point, for Jesus. Just Jesus. So this church that you say does so much good for people who just don't seem to fit in there or like it, or they've researched it enough to know that it isn't right, When they leave, there's no room even for the Lord Jesus Christ in them. What kind of a religion leaves them? If you leave a Christian church because you don't like the pastor or the way they worship or sing, you just go to another one because you're founded on Jesus. But when you leave the Mormon church, you are mind-warped for life unless someone steps in and helps you with who Jesus really is. In an effort to illustrate how this happens, I want to give you an example I used at Heart in the Church last week. I want you to pretend that a doctor comes to your parents when you're very young and the doctor presents a potion and he says, this potion, if you drink one of these bottles every day, you, your husband, and your son, you will never ever get cancer. And this is a doctor and you believe him, so you take that potion and you buy it from him every week and you drink that potion down every week of your life. Your mom does it, your dad does it, and you do it. And when you're about 35 years old, you see a blotch on your forehead, and your friends start noticing it, and other people start noticing it, and they say, hey, you know what, that doesn't look very good, that blotch you have on your forehead, and you go to your mom and dad and you say, hey, what do you think this is? And they say, oh, don't worry about it. You just keep drinking your potion. Just keep drinking, because, you know, you couldn't have cancer. This potion prohibits you from getting cancer, so you just keep drinking the potion. This is not what it seems to be, and it continues to grow. And so you get online and you do a Google search for skin cancer and the pictures pop up and wow, it looks just like the thing you have on your forehead. And uh, so you are sick inside and you're devastated. You might be a little bit angry. You're curious. You're hurt. Maybe it's your fault, you say. Maybe I did it. Maybe because I skipped drinking the potion that one day when I was 14. That's why I've got this on my forehead. You blame yourself. But you decide to go to another doctor and the other doctor takes a biopsy and then he calls you on the phone and he says, I've got good news and bad news. The bad news is you have skin cancer and you just go radically insane mad. You are so angry. You bought and you drank this stuff your whole life. You got your friends to buy it and take it. You even allowed them to use your testimony so they could sell it to other people and now you've been duped big time. The doctor continues when he says, but wait, let me give you the good news. But you're so angry, you refuse to listen. He says, let me give you the good news. Let me tell you the good news. This is very easy to cure. And uh, this time the doctor is telling the truth. But for you, it's too late. Once burned, twice shy. You have become jaded. You've become burned by religion. The last thing you wanna do is trust another doctor and the, and the elixir that he says you need to use, even if that doctor is telling you the truth. And so you reject his promise of a cure. Just listen, the doctor says, a full recovery would be expected with this type of cancer. All you have to do is Go to the true physician, the great physician who resides in your state, and he'll fix it for you. And you say, no way. I am done with doctors, never again will I trust one. And so you just let that thing grow, and it grows, and it becomes uh, horrible, and uh, soon you become weak, and it gets to your bones, and you die. This is the problem. This is what I meet with when I talk to people, when we have casual conversations is they've bought into all this, they start reading about it. Maybe they're sinners, like the Mormons like to say. Oh, they couldn't handle it. Maybe they are. But where do they go? What What have the Mormons given them to turn to? Nothing but their own system. It's devastating. All right, last one. We receive a great deal of criticism for either my not responding to the apologists who write me long questions, and uh, people who believe it's my duty to defend the church and defend Christianity relative to the Mormon claims. Let me say the following. Our ministry is to teach those who are seeking. It is for the lost. And uh, it is not to debate. You might think our show is set up for debate. It's not. I really don't care. I get into it with callers every now and then. But that's not what it's here for. We're here to teach what is not taught in Mormonism. Understand that. Listen to me again. We're here to teach what is not taught in Mormonism. Okay. You get one side of the picture, we're giving you the full picture so you can judge for yourself. We are not here to present a balanced approach. It's not a shared time where the LDS get equal time with me. It's not that at all. I've been Mormon. I know what you believe. You aren't writing me and giving me anything new. Most apologists, LDS apologists, think that they have some angle or some information that they're going to give me that I'm going to say, oh, well, I'm going to go back and be LDS. You have no idea how far I am from that and from other people, uh, other people are who have left the church. It's not that. You have to realize that your long, long laundry list of prepositions and, and arguments for me, are going to go unanswered. And there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, The main reason is I know what you're saying and it's not about debate, but the other reason is your own church doesn't give you a voice, all right? Your own prophet has not set you up as a defender of your church. You have no priesthood right to speak for the church on a blog or somewhere else. Priesthood is, is denoted geographically in the LDS church. If you're a bishop, your priesthood is only as good as the boundaries of your ward, all right? You have no right to get on the internet and send me questions as a representative of the church. And this is a reason why we only have LDS people who represent the church on the show, and we've had none yet. It's an open offer we invite any Latter-day Saint to come on the show who represents the church officially. If you are an LDS apologist who feels they are really skilled, the prophet should receive a revelation to assign you to be an official representative of the church and then you can come on and then we can do it, all right? But you've gotta be an official representative and I hope you understand why. I'm not here to argue with Billy Bob Bishop about this thing here or there, all right? I'm just not. It's just a waste of time. And that's why I rarely go on our blog. The blog has 300 and I stepped in last week and answered a few and it's just endless. And if you give proofs in one area, all they do is go to another thing to give proofs. I'll spend all my time writing to you apologists who demand an answer for this specific question, which is so easily found in the word, come on. It's not a matter of me dodging or trying to hide. It's just a matter of it's a waste of time and you have no voice. Your church hasn't given you a voice and neither do I, all right? Finally, before we go to the phones, I think there's something else that needs to be addressed. And um, and that is the present day condition of the body of Christ. I do not believe that the Lord is going to reveal Mormonism to the people in this state until the church is ready to accept them and teach them the Word of God. They are good people in many ways who want to know the Lord. And they cannot be subject to a church that doesn't teach His Word. So this is to the pastors of the church of Utah. This is to the church and the nation, the body of Christ, the Christian churches. There, there, there's a, We don't need better technology. We don't need bigger screens. We don't need mega churches. Um, we don't need seeker-friendly entertainment in the churches in Utah. What we need are people who are learning what the Bible teaches. So when they come to your church, they're able to get that teaching, and they're not just flailing around after they leave your entertaining sermon wondering, you know, now what do I do? They're weak, they're unmoored, and they don't know the Word of God. So yeah, I'm calling out the Christian churches now, and and I'm saying things have to change. When the almighty buck and whitewashed sermons and half-baked emotionalisms take over in the Christian church, we're in trouble. We're in Laodicea now. The lat- we're in the we're in the lukewarm church today, and if we want anything to happen in the state, we have to teach the word. And I understand to a certain extent. I mean, we've been going through a lot of embarrassing things in church history with the LDS Church too. And when we get to polygamy, you're going to really die. But I understand an LDS person going to a simple ward house that's very calm and never having to see this stuff to say, "Why would I go to that?" I mean, we got to think about this stuff. And and so. Part of the matter is about reaching to searching Latter-day Saints with a desire to bring them to Jesus through spiritual rebirth. I hope I've said that plain enough. We pray that the body of believers in this state will take a stand for true Christianity and represent Him in truth and order by teaching His Word. We hope that will happen. Let's go to the phone lines just to let you know we only want LDS callers tonight. Now, we may sit here, but remind you, we only want Latter-day Saints calling, and uh, we may sit here for the first time in the history of our show without any calls, but do not call if you're Christian. I don't want to be accused of not giving the LDS a voice. The phone lines are open for you. Call away, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. Phone lines are lighting up as the operators take these calls. Let me give you a couple emails from Russ. He, said, he gave us a quote that I'm going to read later, Russ, and I want to I thank you for sending it along. Liz, who's LDS, reminds me that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the name of the church, not Mormon. Liz, we've covered this before, but just look at your commercials. You know, I, I fly in the airplane every week. They, they, it will say the Mormons in parentheses. Hey, call us if you want a Book of Mormon or a Bible. The Mormons. You know, you call yourself Mormons. The Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Not the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Tabernacle Choir. The Mormon Tabernacle Choir. So if you're going to use it, I'm going to use it, Liz. Stop being a crybaby. Okay, and let's go to um, Dennis and Ogden. When are you going to address the DNA subject matter and how... Is it, it is impossible that the Hebrews are related to Central. We're going to address that as we get into the Book of Mormon. Next week we're going to be talking about the Book of Mormon and we'll start to get into the DNA and all those evidences. Uh, George wrote, I am in conflict in one respect. Am I to believe that my Hindu, Buddhist, and Muslim brothers and sisters are going to perish? That is, that is just too many beautiful souls for me to write off. That is why I am supposed to get out and save them, Right? And then he goes on to say that God delivered Muhammad and Buddha uh, to those people, just like he delivered Jesus to him. And I want you to say that you live in a world of political correctness. If you understood the word, George, and I don't mean to to insult you, but if you understood the word of God, you would remember that God sent his own son uh, and he let that own son be beaten and tortured and killed for our sin. And if he lets his own son who did no sin suffer that, you can imagine what he's going to let happen to the people who don't embrace his son. It has to be Jesus, George. And uh, so we'll just keep it on that. We have uh, a call, but I'm gonna go to one more email. This is from Matt writes, What bothers me is your hypocrite." critical approach to things. You find errors and inconsistencies in the Joseph Smith story and celebrate your findings in front of the audience. But at the very same time when someone points at the seemingly controversial statements in the Bible, like the caller who found two scriptures that said, God was talking face-to-face and that nobody could see God, you implied that the things need to be considered contextually. There is a huge difference, Matt, between the Bible being considered contextually and Joseph Smith lying and modifying and adding to what his visions were. There's just a completely, it's just in a completely different ballpark. So until you understand that, we're not going to be able to get very far. Let's start taking calls. We're going to Connie in Sandy, online too. two, Connie, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi, how are you? Uh,
1: I'm doing great, thank you. I appreciate you taking my call. I'm not a first-time caller. I've actually called in a couple of times. Okay. And I have a couple of questions for you, and I know that you like everybody to kind of hurry, but I'm hoping that you'll really take some time with me today.
0: Oh, I can't take time with you, Connie. Oh, please. No, you got to make it quick. you oh. got to summarize it quick.
1: Well, first of all, I'm about finished with your book, and I love it, so I just wanted to give you a plug for that. Well, thank you. And the other thing is I have two things I want to ask you. One is about my sister who was married, and her husband had an affair on her, and was not active in the church and now he's got a little boy with my sister and they're divorced. He's married the lady who he had the affair with and now they want to go through the church and still my sister's little boy to them. Ugh. I'm wanting to understand, my sister's really struggling with it and having a hard time figuring out how that works with the church because she wants to have the little boy still to her.
0: Your sister's still active LDS?
1: She's not active, but she is LDS.
0: Yeah, she should fight it uh, any way she can. And uh, even though I put no uh, interest or power in the ceiling of uh, children to parents and step-parents, but uh, she should fight that just for her own peace of mind at this point and say, you, you know, that, that's just not gonna happen. And I think that the LDS church will respect her wishes. I think that's the way it would work, but I'm not sure. Okay.
1: And then I got one more question for you. Here's a big one. My other sister-in-law, her husband had passed away And she decided to take out the endowments for him. And I'm not really sure if I understand completely what they are. And if you have time, maybe you could explain that. Okay. And my other, I have a, I want your opinion on this, because I have a lot of respect for you after watching your show. Anyways, um, she has since remarried and now has pushed the LDS church away. And I'm just kind of wondering what your opinion is on that.
0: Well, I think that's great, but has she replaced it with something... Like Jesus and Christianity, or has she just pushed everything away?
1: She is, she is with a Christian-based church now. That I'm just kind of wondering. I don't really completely understand what the endowments are. And what it
0: what what it is? It's a ritual they do in the temple where you make covenants uh, in there uh, for certain things. And you make these promises. And after you've made those promises, you then wear the garments every day of your life. And that's essentially what they do in there. Mm-hmm. And so what she did was, when her husband passed away, she had another man go in there as a proxy for, the, for her male husband. And that man went through in his name so that he could have that endowment done, so that he would be eligible to live with God in the afterlife because it wasn't done while he was alive.
1: So kind of like a life insurance policy.
0: Yeah, you could consider it that. Yeah. Connie, thank you so much for the call.
1: To anybody who's watching your program, have an open mind. Read his book. Really, honestly, I have really, really enjoyed it.
0: Oh, good. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it, Connie. Yeah. And oh, Connie, you are not a plant. I don't know you, right? And are you LDS?
1: Um, you know what? I am LDS. I'm not active. Uh-huh. But yeah, I watch your show every week. I love it.
0: Okay, good. Thanks, Connie. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to Mark and Linden. Mark, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello. Hello, Mark. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Hey, listen. I just have a question. Um, how do you know about the
2: chiasmus writings in the Book of Mormon? Yeah. How, what is your explanation for those? I mean, the fact that uh, uh, Joseph Smith um, included so many of these chiasmus writings in the Book of Mormon, and you know in order for him to include those he would have had to first read the bible find chiasmus in the, in the bible and then uh... try to make his uh... you know fake record plausible he thought well i'm going to have to include some of these in the sixty days that it took him to write the book of mormon and then um, hey, turn that down, and then uh... uh... you know include those in the Book of Mormon, and there's several of them, and then never tell anybody about it. And then in 1959, John Welch finds these while he's serving his mission to Germany. It just seems the mathematical probabilities of the words being ordered in that in that order are just you know billions to one if if, it, if, it, if those words are ordered that way by chance. I mean, yeah.
0: you, you, under, you I understand what you're saying. Let me say this uh, first and foremost. Uh, I have to study up on my chiasmus. I have the answers, but. Uh, I don't have them on the tip of my tongue exactly, but what I do recall is one, are they true chiasmus uh, relative to the Hebrew writings? And two, um, all of Joseph Smith's writings, I know for a fact from the Pearl of Great Price, Doctrine and Covenants, and uh, Book of of Mormon contain chiasmus uh, formulations. And so some people have said that they weren't true chiasmus and all it was was Joseph Smith's style of speaking and writing. And, uh, but I will do, I promise you, I will do research on that, especially as we're now next week, starting in the book of Mormon. And I will give, uh, an address to chiasmus and what it is. And, uh, and then if I don't suffice, if I don't give you the information you want, call back.
2: Hey, by the way, uh, Alma 36 is one gigantic chiasmus. chiasmus yeah. And, um, I like your show by the way. Hey, thanks. Uh, uh I'm active LDS, but I'm really, uh, I like the fact that you're, so controversial
0: <laughs> yeah thanks man hey thanks and I'll check that out so I can be a little bit more informed okay thanks a lot okay, bye bye hey listen just to let you know what chiasmus is it's a style of writing that um, uh, what they do is the, the a verse will start off with uh, thus saith the Lord and then it will say the sheep uh, followed and the sheep uh, were happy and then it will give a central line and it will say the sheep were happy Uh, thus saith the Lord and it gives the reverse order so it's a verse that starts here and ends here and it moves toward the center and the very key words in the center or line uh, gives you the central theme of the Hebrew thought and that is uh, found they claim in the Book of Mormon but I've I've read some really good responses as to why and I just can't remember what they are alright let's go to Michael in Bountiful says line 4, line 4 is not lit up Uh, let's try it Michael we have no Michael and Bountiful, we have no phone hookup. Maybe it was unplugged. Let's go to another caller. If not, let's go to an email. LB from Salt Lake, I can't make sense of any religion. I'm not even sure if there is a God. What advice would you give me? Oh. Well, the, the Bible says, and you may not even believe in the Bible, but it says that the law is written on your heart, okay? So ask yourself, what do I have in my heart relative to God? The Bible says that God is written on nature. It's a cosmological approach. So look at nature and decide. Looking at nature, does God exist or is all this from the micro level of atoms and their their structure all the way to plants and through the space and everything else, could God exist that way? And as you start to just open yourself to that, then He will bit by bit reveal himself. It's it's the best thing I can do for someone who, who doesn't know. Now, if you're willing to pray, if you're willing to test it, if you're willing to get on your knees and say, hey, look, I don't know that you exist. In fact, I'm not sure I even believe you do, but I'm going to give you a shot and I want you to reveal yourself to me. And I really, really want this. I believe he will. So that's my advice. First and foremost is to go to him and open up your true feelings. God does not want us to to make up stuff like, you know, you know, and pretend he wants our real heart. So if your real heart is, I don't believe in you at all, tell him that, but just give me a chance. And maybe it will, maybe that will uh, help. If not, I would love to sit and talk with you. Not that I have anything uh, that the Bible doesn't say, but I think we can open up a good dialogue. Okay. That's a red question. We're going to Richard. First time caller in Salt Lake City. Richard, you're on heart of the matter.
3: Well, hi. Um, how are you? I'm doing well, Richard. How are you? I'm great. I appreciate your call, I, uh, your show, rather. Uh, I had emailed you and got your book and really enjoyed it. Oh, good. Uh, my comment tonight is that I just really appreciate you, and I appreciate uh, what you're doing. And um, I really want to let you know that I have a strong testimony of my Savior, Jesus Christ. I know that he is my personal Savior, and I know that uh, he died for all of us and That he's the ultimate judge of everything. Period.
0: Well, praise God for that for that testimony. And uh,
3: another thing, I just wanted to mention that uh, one of your first callers was really concerned about the uh, son being sealed to to the uh, young man yeah. affair. And uh, again, just getting back to it, I'm just so grateful that it is, it is He, our Lord and Savior, that is the one that will make the ultimate decision, no matter what any any church teaches.
0: Amen. Well, I really appreciate your call, Richard.
3: That was that was about all. I just wanted to comment and tell you that uh, I'm glad you're there.
0: Thanks so much. God bless you. God bless you. Take care. Bye-bye. We're going to Michael and Bountiful on line four. No. No Michael on line four again. <clears throat> Another email. We've got to figure out. Something's lost there. Okay, let's go to... Uh, Jared asks, I heard on your show that you would send the steps for taking your name off the church records. I have been away from the church for many years now and would very much like to see these steps taken so I can leave the church entirely. Let me give you a reference to going to uh, www.utlm.org. We're working on getting some letters that we've seen that were samples that you might use on our site. It takes a while for us, I'm sorry. But go to uh, www.utlm.org, and they have uh, samples of uh, what you could write and use. Okay, we're going to Brent in Orlando, Florida. Brent, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey Sean, how you doing, man? Good. How are you?
4: Not too bad, thanks. Just had a quick question for yeah. you. I remember the episode we were talking about uh, Rene Descartes and you know the whole knowledge thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, as a, as a, as a quasi nihilist on the way out of the church, what, um, what would you say is, is different in the Christian church as opposed, as in, in terms of you know how you know? You know, like Mormons always say they know the church is true. Well, how do Christians know that Jesus is the Christ?
0: Yeah. Uh, if you go back to that show, I explain on there, and you know what I have a heart for you because i 've been in your position, mm-hmm. uh, but if you go back to that show, what Christians know is that he is the truth and what the example I used on that show was that you can say, "I know that that bridge is safe, but when you go to cross it, if it collapses on you, you didn 't know it was safe. you just really, really believed it was safe but you can, so you can only know what is absolutely categorically true. And Jesus calls himself the way, the truth, the truth, capital T, and the life. So Christians can know metaphysically, and I give that exception, can metaphysically know that Jesus is who he is because he is truth with a capital T. That argument may not fit with philosophical meanderings that maybe you're dabbling with or what you're really into, but Mm -hmm. that is the Christian answer to it. They never say they know anything else, except they know that they are saved. And they know that they are saved because of the promises of Jesus, who is the capital T Truth. Okay, does but, that help but at all? The
4: purposes of the argument, no one really knows yeah. that. I mean, it's it's more of a belief than a knowledge, would you agree with that?
0: Well, see, in my case, I won't agree with it. Now, I've gone down the, the roads with that. And epistemology is unique and but I but having been a born again Christian, you transcend into a realm that you can't understand. It's not intellectual, it's not emotional. It is something that correlates to your spirit. Now, the reason I can say this definitively is because I have been in the state where I really, really believed or I thought I knew things. But when you come to spiritual certainty, it's a different vibe altogether.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the, that's the best way I can explain it, as weak as that is in the in the halls of philosophy. Well, I appreciate it anyway. Hey, thanks. for. Hey, do you have my book? Uh, I don't. Hey, will you stay on the line? We can send you one? Sure, that'd be great. Okay, thanks so much. Hold on. All right. Okay, operators, pick up line two, please. We're going to Alan in Spanish Fork on line three. Alan, you're on Heart of the Matter. And you got to turn your TV off, brother. Okay. Hello? Hey, Alan. Yeah, oh, am I on? You're on. You're on, the, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, how you doing, Sean? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Um, uh, I have a question for you. Uh, I've heard of... I know
5: the LDS version of how Satan came to be, but what, I've never heard the Christian version of... How Satan was created or came to be, or how, how did he come to be?
0: Well, it's a really good question, and uh, I'll, I'll give you uh, my understanding of it. And it is uh, twofold. One, uh, Christians believe that Satan is a fallen angel. That angels are of a different creative order than human beings. And we have a show that we talk about angels, and and that might help. But angels. Uh, they are have different ranks and different purposes and different uh, f- uh, form. and They have a soul according to scripture. And Satan was a created angel. Now you can go to Ezekiel 36, I believe, and it describes what Christians believe is a description of Satan before he fell. And, and that he was a created angel who because of his beauty fell and he was cast down from heaven. So that is Get their... Him.
5: Is it, is it just him, one spirit, or is there those who, some who followed him, or is he all by himself? Or?
0: He's by himself, and other spirits, other angels, not spirits, excuse me, that's LDS. Other angels followed him down. They were cast down with him. So they believe that there was, these angels did exist in a preexistent place. And that they have different callings or aspects of what to do in heaven for God. Some of them are there to give Him messages. Some of them, all they do all the time is say, holy, 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 holy is the Lord. That's what some angels do. And um, you can see a lot of typography when it comes to uh, uh, angels throughout the Word, but it takes kind of an exhaustive study to understand it. Now, just for the viewer's sake, Latter-day Saints believe that angels are men who died and then, with a resurrected body or not, became angels to perform the work of the Lord. Christians do not believe that.
5: They believe that these angels and the fallen angels, there was a pre-existence before earth of them and God. Yeah. Well, there is some kind of pre-existence, not just the version the LDS believes.
0: Well, the problem with it is it's not a pre-existence because the angels existed. They didn't come down to earth and get bodies, so they don't call it a pre I guess that it would be preexistent relative to us, but not preexistence for the, because uh, the angels, because they were existing.
5: And God knew that he was going to fall and, and come down and tempt men.
0: Well, God knows all things, so I would have to say yes.
5: So he knew that there was going to be a huge portion of his children that came here that would probably follow him and not return to live with him.
0: No, because, you, oh, you mean as far as, yeah, that would be correct. If, he, if God knows all things, if we assign him the attribute of omniscience, then yes, absolutely. He knew that when, not when children came down, that's mixing LDS, but when he created people, that some of them were going to be lost. Okay. Yeah. No, and, I, and, and the way I explain that is that God is a creator. That is his nature is to create. And so he creates by virtue of who he is. And then it's, this is a really rough way of saying it and it's my words, but then the chips fall where they may. And there are for every single person who will look at God and say, hey, you created me. Why am I going to hell? There's another person who can say, you created me and praise God, I'm going to heaven. Does that make sense?
5: It does. Yeah. Just if he's an all loving God that just has incredible love that we can't even comprehend to know that a good one-third of his children are probably going to end up in hell or more. That's
0: yeah, but remember, he was so loving, he sent his son to save this world. And so, you know, he, he, he's done everything knowing. within the realm of free will to save us.
5: But he also is all-knowing, and he knows that a third of them weren't going to follow him.
0: But he's a creator. Should he Because some aren't going to, should he not create? Well. He's got to create. That's his nature. But, uh, yeah. Are you glad he created you? Of
5: course I am. Well, it's just,
0: you too. As, as me, as
5: a father, to know that a third of my children are going to go to hell because when I bring them to earth, when I become a father and a third of them I know that I bring into the world are going to go to hell, that would, you know, that's hard to accept. <laughs> yeah.
0: I understand that, that comment. Maybe we could talk about it more another time, but uh, it was a good question. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks for watching. Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good evening. Bye. You too. We're going to Adrian Spanish Fork. Adrian, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, this, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Good. Hey, I
6: just wanted to tell you that um, I love your show. I watch it every week. I don't miss it. Oh, good. Also, um, watch The Infallible Word, which I really love.
0: Oh, good. Thank you.
6: And I just want to say um, to all the LDS, I'm LDS, and I just want to say to all the LDS people to have an open mind. And um, you know how you, you talked a few weeks ago about knowing whether or not the church is true? Right. Um, I just really feel... Like, if I'm going to say I know that something is true, I want to know what I'm saying it about. So I just would like LDS people to keep an open mind and maybe to realize that we don't have the whole picture. You know, we kind of see um, kind of the picture they want to paint. Yeah. So anyway, I appreciate your show. Um, I know my sister and her husband are watching, so I just want to give a shout-out to them.
0: (laughs) Hey, callers can't give shout outs. That's my job. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead, shout out to them.
6: Okay, Sean. What's her name? Christy and Tony.
0: Christy and Tony, your sister shouts out to you. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Yeah,
6: I, I'm recruiting a bunch of people to watch
0: it. Awesome, Adrian. <laughs> I, <laughs> too, so. I really appreciate your uh, openness and willingness, and uh, I love the call. Thank you so much. Thank
6: you. Uh huh. Okay, God well, bless. Bye. Bye bye.
0: We're going to Michael and Bountiful on the legendary line four. Michael, you're on Heart of the Matter.
6: Hey,
7: how you doing, Sean?
0: Hey, doing well.
7: I just want to thank you so much for your show. Oh, you're welcome. And um, thank you for tonight when you put that little clip on about all the crazy things happening in many of the evangelical churches. Got to be fair, don't we? What's that?
0: (laughs) We got to be fair in this venue, don't we?
7: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was just... um, I actually was um, grew up in the evangelical churches, and I was, and that was one of the main reasons I had left because I just felt like they would become so secularized, and so I saw all these sort of things happening at my churches, and I would raise my hand, and I felt like I, something was wrong with me. I couldn't enter in, uh-huh. and then I had converted to the LDS Church about two years ago, and about two weeks ago went to the temple for the first time. And right up until that I went there I was believing that they were the true church and when I went through that experience I just instantly knew that, that it was not of God and that I was deceived and I, I remember going to the celestial room and they had uh the Holy of Holies and it was blocked off with a table in the vase and they said only the prophet could go there and and I just have always remembered that when Christ died that the veil was rent and that we that was why he died, so that we all, every single one of us, could have access. And, Amen. And just the many of the other things that happened there, I just knew that it wasn't true in a moment and felt horrible about the whole thing. And, but that was one of the main reasons I had left the church, because of all the things you showed tonight.
0: What, did you, what are you doing now?
7: Uh, in the last week, I actually went to two of the churches on your site and talked to a Grace Baptist church in Bountiful, and I went to a... Calvary Chapel in Salt Lake and talked to some people there and just kind of explained everything, expressed what happened and how I, I was very upset because I really truly believed um, along. And then when I came out here to, to move out here, I, I remember just feeling that the Mormon people were so, they seemed so much more Christ-like to me than many of the people in the unveiled evangelical churches that I'd been part of.
0: Yeah.
7: And I just. Um, it just seemed like we we'd lost so much of a sense of holiness yeah. in many other Christian churches today. So I understand their point of view too, and they feel like it's why why would they want to go to to that? Right and That's not what we're really about.
0: right. Well, your call is excellent, and I really I pray you'll continue on attending that by going to that fellowship and just talking with people and and you're gonna find good Christian churches where they aren't full of all that, and you're going to find a place that will teach the Word, and it's really going to help tie you back into a relationship, not a religion.
7: Yeah, I believe
0: it. Praise God, man. Thank you for the call. Thank you, Sean. Okay, bye-bye. We're going to Bob in South Jordan. Bob, you're on Heart of the Matter.
4: Hey, Sean. Uh, This
0: is Bob. Bob, what's going on, man? Are you Bob the Bob?
4: I am the Bob.
0: (laughs) So... Can I give our audience an insight on who the Bob is? Sure. The Bob is a uh, a frequent and uh, poster. He's LDS. He's he's uh, he's well educated. He knows the Bible well, and he's been to a heart in the church. Uh, the Bob is the uh, one who um, I've quoted a few times on the show, and so that's enough of an introduction. The Bob, what's happening?
4: i was just gonna say, you know, for people out there, I've I've read your book twice myself. I. Certainly don't uh, find it any kind of uh, you know <laughs> uh, something that's going to drag me down. I I think it's fine. Um, the the one thing that I wanted to comment on though was was over the last two weeks, and I've commented this on your board, and I just figured that since you opened the lines up, I better I better uh, ask you. I, I don't quite understand the chronology that you put together for the first Vision accounts and so forth because it seemed like you did a very specific construction to try and show that Joe Smith grew this from this idea of angels all the way up through the first vision that we now have which says that God the Father and Jesus Christ appeared to him because we have you know the 1832 account says it was at least Jesus present
0: that's the one I started with wasn't it?
4: Well you actually, no you you, um, you actually didn't go into the 1832 account until the very end of your show and you never mentioned that it was from 1832. You, you left the date off of it, and and then uh, you know the 1835 account and all subsequent accounts. Actually, none of them say that it's God the Father or Jesus Christ that are present. It, he labels them personages.
0: Personages, right? And so, Bob, why why is there more than one account?
4: Well, because he told, as as Edward Stevenson said in in 1834. Uh, he was at three different meetings where Joseph Smith gave the account of the first vision that God the Father and Jesus Christ were there. Depending on the circumstances of the of the event, he gave different details. In 1832, he was talking about his personal sins. In 1835, he was talking about who showed up, and it was a different. The 1835 account wasn't handwritten by him; it was his journal by his scribe. Uh, in 1840, we have Parley P. Pratt who who quotes uh, several details not present in either the 1832 or 1835 uh, accounts, uh, describing the first vision, and uh, uh, and then we have I mean you know, that was Orson Pratt, and then we had Orson Hyde in 1842. All of these before the official publication of the Wentworth letter in the in uh, the official church history. So it was clearly known in the church. It just wasn't um, the event that started the church because that happened when Moroni showed up and told him that he was going to be an instrument in restoring the church. That wasn't part of the First Vision discussion.
0: How come he wasn't persecuted for the First Vision uh, account that he said happened in 1820 as a 14-year-old boy?
4: Well I suppose if I didn't count the assassination attempt on his life in 1820, I suppose I would say that there wasn't any persecution.
0: Well, there's, there's there's no idea that that was linked to that. In fact, there's even speculation by Vogel that that could have been his own brother.
4: Well, Vogel lives today, and his mother lived back then, and said it was it, it was relative to that.
0: She said it was relative to that. Well, remember, she wrote that she wrote the biographical sketches when
4: 1853 is when it was.
0: Well, that's a long time later to look back on church history and reform it.
4: Well, but she I also don't, got I all the don't, details right about where they live.
0: I, I if, don't. Well, I don't want to cut you off, Bob, but I just don't think. There's enough, ev- I mean, there's plenty of evidence that he says he saw an angel that told him where gold plates were. Plenty, overwhelming, and the type of evidence you would expect. But you just don't see any kind of evidence where people were persecuting him for saying that he saw God the Father and the Son. Now, seeing Jesus was kind of expected of believers at that time. That was kind of expected. So,
4: or Samus Tucker and, and Pomeroy Tucker, or, or Samus Turner and Pomeroy Tucker both comment about the fact that Joseph Smith started his blasphemies back then.
0: Yeah, but see, they were looking retrospectively when Pomeroy Tucker wrote that stuff. They, were just, they, were, they could have been anti-Mormons who were using anything to besmirch his name, and they may have not been using the facts. Except, or Samus Turner moved
4: away from, from Palmyra in 1822. He didn't know Joseph Smith prior to the, or after that, and so he was recounting his personal interaction with Joseph. So yeah. the first vision account that he's aware of had to have taken place prior to
0: 1822. Okay. Wrong evidence. Bob, you, you're always uh, full of information. Appreciate it. I've got to go. we got another call, we've got to move the show. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Bye-bye. All right, we are going to one final call. Michael and Bountiful Michael, you're on Heart of the Matter. <clears throat> yes. Hi. Turn your TV off and get, get on it. You've got 20 seconds. All right. Hi, Sean. <clears throat> Hi. John, my name is Michael. I'm from India. Hello, Michael. How are you? Good. All right. What's happened? I love people from India. I've I've been there. Oh,
6: great. Well, you know, I just uh, was listening to all your uh, shows from at least, at least the last three, four weeks. Yeah. And uh, uh, a lot of things that you pretend that you were a Mormon and you served a mission and that the, the brethren were forcing you to do things.
0: I didn't pretend that yeah. stuff, Michael. That... Uh, I didn't pretend it. It happened. Okay, let me tell you. Let me finish, then you can tell. Okay, you you only have 15 seconds because we're done in 40. Okay, I'm I'm 25
6: years and a member of the church. I served my mission. I taught mission seminary. And I, I tell you one thing that made me feel sad is that you said Joseph Smith is a liar because he said God has a flesh and bones. Yeah. Because you said God is a spirit. Yeah. But you never showed a scripture that says when Stephen Shaw...
0: Jesus standing right hand of God. It was a, it was a monotony. It was, a meta, it was metonymical. You don't interpret the scriptures, okay? It was met, I do read the scriptures. You're being argumentative. You're being mean. Goodbye, Mr. Man from India. Okay, sorry, we got to go quick. Uh, that was a mean call because everyone else was so nice tonight. We love you.